Today, we're going to be concluding our sermon series about sharing our faith. And it's no secret that sharing our faith with those who have yet to accept Christ as their Lord and personal Savior can present challenges. And sometimes those obstacles can come from the person that we're sharing our story or God's story with. And sometimes those challenges can even come from our very own selves. But even though there are difficulties at times while doing so, we have to acknowledge the fact that sharing our faith is necessary. Oftentimes I've heard from parents that they wonder, why, why did we have children? Why did we bring them into this world that is so corrupt and full of sin and hatred? How are they going to deal with this as the years continue to go and as they continue to grow up and become adults and parents themselves? And I have to admit that my wife and I even had this discussion before we had children as well. And why would we put someone through that when the world just continues to fall deeper and deeper into sin? And the answer to this is because, well, they will be needed. They're going to be needed to help spread the good news and share their faith as well. And there will still be people out there that need to have the word of God shared with them. There will still be people needing to come to Christ. And before we dive into today's scriptures, I want you to think back and I want you to recall just who it was that first mentioned Jesus Christ to you personally. All and all that he can do for you. Where would you be if that person hadn't shared Christ or their faith with you? What if they allowed the obstacles of sharing their faith or the intimidation to stop them before they came and approached you? But then what are these obstacles that I'm talking about? What can stop us or intimidate us from sharing our faith with Christ with others? Well, let's open up our Bibles and let's take a look and see what Scripture tells us. We'll first be looking at the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14, verses 1 through 24 this morning. And it's here that on the day of the Sabbath, Christ is eating a meal with a Pharisee. And after healing a man who was suffering from abnormal swelling, he noticed how the guests at the dinner had picked their seats at the table. You see, they had chosen the seats or the places of honor when they arrived after seeing. And after seeing this, Christ told them a parable about how when someone is invited to a wedding or a prestigious event, we must not sit in the places of honor when we arrive. After all, when we attend a wedding, do we go ahead and sit in the front row? No. We know that those seats are reserved for the family and of the bride and the groom, because if we were to go and we were to sit in the front row at that, we would be asked to move towards the back. We would be humbled and we would be embarrassed in front of many. And Christ mentions this in verse nine. He also he continues by telling us to be humble and to take the least important seat, because then you might be invited to a more honorable seat. Now, this is good advice for attending a wedding or an event, but Christ is talking directly about seating or he isn't talking directly about seating arrangements when attending a wedding or a dinner. He's talking about life. Oftentimes as Christians, we can be lost in the mentality that because we are Christians and maybe because we attend church, that we are better than those who are not saved, maybe better than those who do not attend church every Sunday morning. Maybe we're better than those who who can't recite scripture off the top of their heads and name the exact book, chapter, or verse that it comes from. We allow our own pride to sink in, and we make an idol out of our knowledge in Scripture. 
We look down upon those who are not Christians. We may even brag or boast about it as if we are saved because of what we know, or maybe we're saved by our own doing. This can be an obstacle in sharing our faith with others. We expect to be treated better than those who don't do or know what we do. In verse 11, Christ informs us that for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. This verse reminds me of another parable that Christ told in Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, when a Pharisee and a tax collector went into the temple to pray. It says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers. Or even like this tax collector over here, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But then the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breasts and he said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Christ goes on to say, I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here in the same book, just a few chapters later, Christ is once again stating that we should be humble and not exalt ourselves because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We do, we do this because our salvation is not earned, but given through grace. We do not deserve it. But by Christ's death and his resurrection and the love that God has shown us by this and by power of the Holy Spirit, pulling at our very own hearts to come to faith in Christ, we are saved. It is a gift, not a right. And it's not deserved. In verses 12 through 14 of Luke chapter 14, Christ continues on about how we must reach out and share our faith with those who cannot pay us back. When we share our faith with someone or when we do good to help others that have no way of paying us back, it pleases God. But we have to be mindful during those times of our intentions. Are we doing these things for God? Or are we doing these with an expectation of getting something in return? Christ tells us that we must do these things without any expectation or of repayment or for them to return the favor at another time. There is no way for us to repay God fully for what he has done for us, giving his only son to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for sins to be forgiven and so that we can have a personal relationship with him. He gave his only son who was perfect, knowing that we would not always be grateful for that, knowing that we would still sin, whether it be by mistake or on purpose. And he still did it, knowing that many would never come to faith in his son and they would even do evil deliberately against God. We cannot repay him no matter what we do. We can only accept this gift and then share that gift with others. Christ follows this statement with another parable in verse 15 that goes through verse 24 about a great banquet. And in this specific parable, Christ talks about a man who had prepared this large banquet for many, many guests. So this get together had to be well planned. His servants prepared the meal. They prepared everything. There were most likely a lot of decorations and fancy table settings that were set up for this event. And when the time came, 
He sent his servant out to tell all those that were invited to the banquet that it was ready. And when the servant approached those who had been invited, all of them had excuses not to attend the banquet. One person that was invited said that he had just bought a field and uh, he had to go see this field. Another guy said that he had just bought five yoke of oxen and he needed to go and try them out. And another man that he approached said that he couldn't attend the banquet and he had the excuse that he had just got married and so he could no longer attend. Things had changed on his schedule. At times when we share our faith in Christ with others and we search for a response, they may present excuses to why they don't believe in Jesus Christ or why they may not want to enter into a personal relationship with him and accept him as their Lord and Savior. They may say that they're just they're too busy with uh, other activities. Uh, they may say that their jobs keep them way too busy. Uh, maybe Sunday morning is the only morning that they get to sleep in. Maybe their spouse is against coming to church and believing in Christ and they don't want to upset their spouse, disturb their marriage. Or they'd rather spend time with their friends and experiencing other things besides uh, coming to church or, or reading scripture and spending time getting to know Jesus Christ. These all can be obstacles that can be disheartening to hear when we share our faith with someone about Christ. And it can even possibly take away or take out the wind out of our sails, so to speak. Maybe even some of us here today have used these excuses before when it came to going deeper into our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ continues in verse 21 that the servant returned to his master and reported that nobody was coming to this big banquet that he had already invited. They had had a warning. They had the save the dates and now they had excuses. This made the master angry and he then sent his servant back out into the streets and into the alleys to invite the crippled, to invite the poor, the blind, the lame to this banquet. He knew that the people of the group would be hungry and they would be humbly honored to be just invited to the table that day. And we can still see it to this very day. We can see people that are hurting. We can see people that are heartbroken, that are looking for meaning and they're looking for joy. And by sharing Jesus Christ with them, we are inviting them to the banquet of all banquets. And all they have to do is accept the invitation. Some will have excuses, but we must do what the servant did and follow the master's orders and keep trying. When we share our faith with someone and they reject Christ afterwards, God tells us to keep trying. There are others that can still be saved and that are invited into his kingdom. Now, when it comes to sharing our faith, last week I mentioned that a fear can set in on how we will be looked upon or uh, what if the person that we're sharing our faith with rejects Christ even after we've shared our faith with them. And it's easy to come up with our own excuses to not share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I ask you, what's your excuse? Let's skip ahead a little bit now to Luke chapter 19 looking at verses 11 through 28. And once again, Christ is telling a parable to those who have just seen his interaction with Zacchaeus. They can't believe that Christ has invited himself into this man's home, who was a chief tax collector. And remember, remember that this is just days before Christ would be betrayed, 
and crucified on the cross. Jesus tells this specific parable with all, because all of those who are around them thought that Christ would be the one who brought the kingdom of God to earth very soon and all would be well. And Christ thought through this parable describes what will happen, what will take place after he's crucified, risen from the dead and ascends into heaven. Beginning in verse 12, Christ tells us that a man of noble birth goes to a distant country to be appointed king and then he would return. So beforehand, this master calls 10 of his servants and he gives them each 10 minas. And when we look at the worth of these coins, it comes out to be about 100 days worth of wages. So these servants were each given a good amount of money. And the master ordered his servants to put that money that he had given them to work until he returned. And while the man was being appointed king, his subjects that were back in his homeland hated him. And they stated that they did not want this man to be their king. Once again, this parable, just like all of the parables that Christ speaks of, has a deeper meaning. Christ is describing himself here. He is talking about how he would be crucified and after rising from the grave, he would go to a distant place, heaven, to be the king of salvation. And during the time that he would be gone, many would come to hate him. They would reject him as their king. But he would leave something for his servants or followers And they were to put what he had left them to work. The parable continues in verse 15, where the king returns once master, now king. And he spends or sends for his servants to see what they have done with those minas that he had put into the possession while he was gone. The first servant had earned 10 more and the king promoted him to be in charge of 10 cities. The second servant showed up and he had earned five more minas. And so the king gave him charge of five cities. And then a third servant came before the king and stated that he had kept the original ten minas that the king had given him before he left and a cloth hidden away. The servant was afraid of the king. He didn't think that the king had deserved to reap what he hadn't sown because he was gone. The king then grew angry. And he asked the servant why he didn't even put the minas in a deposit so that at least he could have collected the interest that it would have made while he was gone. The king then took the servant's minas away and gave them to the servant who already had ten minas. And the servant asked why they already have ten minas. But the king replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. It is here that Christ is describing what will happen when he returns to those who have rejected him as king while they're here, while they were here on earth, their judgment. But as we look back on the previous verses with the king and how he deals with his servants and he left them ten minas before leaving, we can also see that cry, what Christ was describing. You see, Christ has ascended into heaven and he has become king. And someday he will return and we will be asked what we did with what he gave us. We can say that we have given our offerings to the church. We volunteered. 
We have used our gifts, our talents, our passions to help those in need. And all of these things are great. But Christ is asking about something else, just as the master did in this parable. Remember that all of those servants were given the exact amount of minas. They each received 10 minas, correct? And we all have different talents. We all have different amounts of money in our bank accounts. So Christ isn't asking us here what we did with the money that he blessed us with. Within this parable, the ten minas represent the good news about Christ himself. We are all given the word of God from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation. None of us have received more and none of us have received less. All of us have been given scripture. And it is up to us to share God's word with others so that they may come to Christ and receive eternal life so that when he returns and he asks us what we did with his word, we can answer like the first two servants did and show that we shared God's word with the others that helped bring them to Christ himself. Or we can be like the third servant, afraid of disappointing our master, afraid of Christ because we don't want to mess anything up Maybe we're afraid of saying something wrong when we're sharing our faith. Maybe we're simply saying that the Holy Spirit will do the work. We'll just stand here on the sideline, keeping the holy truth to ourselves because the Spirit's got it. He knows what He's doing. I compare this to knowing the cure to cancer. What if you knew the cure to cancer? Would you sit quietly? And just keep it to yourself, watching others suffer and eventually pass away? Or would you share it with others and help them be cured and saved? We have something greater in our possession every day. We have the word of God and it's the cure for all eternity. It saves us and others from eternal separation from God and it gives eternal life with the Father in heaven. When it comes to sharing our faith, we all have obstacles. We will hear excuses from those that we share our faith with. But we as believers in Christ have been given the same amount just as the servants were given by their master. We have been given the word of God and we must share it with others. We have the cure. And when it comes to sharing our faith in others, we have no excuses. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for the gift of your word that you have entrusted to us. Help us be bold as we go to the ends of the earth and within our communities as we share that good news of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us remain humble as we receive this gift from you, knowing that we do not deserve it and that we cannot earn it. Help us remain focused on you and excited to share your word with others, even after we have spoken with those who continue to reject you. Help us leave the 99 to share with the one. We expect nothing in return, and we give all the glory to you, God. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We love you.
Amen.